Good morning. Uh, just want to welcome you all to our worship this day. And as Pastor Dan mentioned, uh, it's a significant day. Uh, we've actually recently celebrated some uh, other significant moments in the life of our church family. Just a few weeks ago, we had a number of baptisms, uh, 14 children and three adults to be exact. We also received 23 new members into our church. And today is another significant moment as we ordain three new officers for our church, one elder and two deacons. And so in the midst of what has been such a difficult season for all of us and for our church uh, on so many fronts, I'm just so very thankful, so grateful for the ways in which God has certainly been at work in us and through us as a church. Uh, before we proceed with the ordinations, I'd like to share a brief message from our text today. And I think this passage instructs us how we should view and how we should understand what we're watching, what we're observing, what we're witnessing today as we ordain these brothers. Uh, especially for those of us who are members of Renewal, this moment is not simply significant for these brothers, the, the people getting ordained, but this is a significant moment for you as well. And I think our text shows us why that is. And so there's just two main reasons or two main ideas I want to emphasize uh, this morning. So first, very simply, these brothers are a gift to you. These brothers are a gift to you. In verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul describes how after Christ ascended, he pours out his Holy Spirit upon the church. And one of the main results of that is that every believer dwelled by, who the Holy Spirit dwells within, every single believer now has specific spiritual gifts. At least one, sometimes more than just one. And the exact type of gift and the exact quantity of these gifts has been apportioned by Christ according to his wisdom uh, in his will. Now, you can find a, a list of examples of these gifts in passages like Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. But here in this particular passage, Paul focuses on a subset of gifts, specific gifts. His focus here is on specific leadership roles in the church and the gifts needed for those roles. And so again, in verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, as I said, Christ has gifted every single believer but in order for believers to become all that God intends us to become, specific leadership offices and the corresponding gifts that come with those roles are absolutely necessary by God's design. You can't grow in the way God wants you to grow apart from a relationship and connection to these specific offices designed by God, given to the church. Specifically, apostles and prophets are referring to those who laid the foundation of the church, 
Paul talks about them in uh, Ephesians 2.20 and Ephesians 3.5. We would say of them that their role was unique, both historically speaking and authoritatively speaking. Their role was unique. But then Paul continues specifically listing shepherds and teachers. Those two roles describe the biblical office of elder that we can read about in other passages. Further described, we see it throughout the book of Acts, specifically in 1 Timothy 3, Titus, 1 Peter. And so when we think of pastors, people like myself, pastors fulfill both of those roles. They shepherd, leading and overseeing the flock, and they teach, feeding the flock through the word of God. They're, in other words, they're shepherd teachers. They do both. But there are also those who may not be called to regularly preach and teach, but they are called to shepherd, to lead and oversee God's flock. And again, though they may not preach and teach regularly, they are nonetheless called to ensure that the word of God is rightly being taught and the flock is properly being fed. In our denomination, in the PCA, we call pastors teaching elders, and then elders who are not regularly preaching, we call ruling elders. But together, we are called to lead the church. Now, notice the language Paul uses in verse 11. He doesn't say God gave gifts to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, even though that's absolutely true. He's given gifts to them. But look, look at the language. He says, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. In other words, not only do these individuals have gifts, gifts, they themselves, they themselves are a gift to the church. They themselves, their whole person, and including their gifts, are a gift to the church. And they are given for the purpose of enabling the church to grow into, again, all that God wants us to be, both qualitatively, meaning spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness, and also quantitatively, that the body would grow through mission and outreach. God has indeed gifted renewal with three ruling elders at the current moment, Isaac Kwan, John Applegate, Chris Chong, and along with the pastors, the teaching elders, they have sacrificially served. However, three ruling elders in a church our size, which is currently at 333 formal members to be exact, that's formal members who went through the membership process. That does not include regular attenders. The number is much bigger than that. Three ruling elders in a church this size is not ideal. The more elders there are, the broader the span of shepherding care can be. The deeper the span of shepherding care can be. And the less strain and propensity for burnout there is on those that are serving. We did have two other ruling elders, Tim Lee and Sam Huang, who went out to help launch our sister church, Renewal Mainline. 
And we fully recognize that our vision and commitment to be a church that's multiplying, a church that's planting more local congregations, we fully recognize it's going to require sending key people out. And that there is a cost that comes with that. But at the same time, as much as there is a very real cost, there is very real gain. Because new people are reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to the commitment to multiply, being a church committed to the city specifically comes with the particular challenge of dealing with transience. And in some ways, I feel like Philadelphia faces this more than most other major cities. I'm going to speak very plainly here. It is a challenge to retain people who are committed to the city for the long haul. And on top of that, who fit the biblical qualifications for serving as an officer in the church, who possess the requisite character and maturity, gifting, and availability. They're available to serve. So in light of these challenges, this morning, we are so very thankful for God who is gifting us with a new elder today. Our brother Dan Pyun, who has been a faithful shepherding presence in this church long before he had any title. His heart of caring for people was very evident and sacrificing for the sake of others that they would be cared for, loved, and shepherded. He's been doing that for years. And even though deacons are not mentioned in this particular passage, they are also given by God. As described in the book of Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3, in order to meet the felt needs of the church, ministries of mercy, and also to mobilize the church to demonstrate mercy to the world. By focusing on felt needs, as we see in Acts chapter 6, they enable the elders to be freed up to focus on what they're supposed to focus on, the preaching and teaching of the word and prayer. And so once again, we thank God for gifting us two more deacons today. Our brothers Han Lu and Joe Lee. And as with Dan, both of them have already demonstrated a willingness to serve in very, very practical ways. As I mentioned in the beginning, this day is significant, not just for those getting ordained, but for you, church. It's significant for you because as they step into these roles designed by Christ, we will be healthier as a church for it. As the Apostle Paul describes it, it will help all of us to grow in becoming like Christ, in knowing him and making him known qualitatively and quantitatively. Second and last main idea I want to draw from this text is very simple again. The church needs leaders, and leaders need the church. The church needs leaders, and leaders need the church. In verse 12, Paul describes the responsibility of these particular offices listed here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
In other words, the function of pastors and elders, T-E's and R-E's, as we say, is not to single-handedly do all the work of ministry in the church, but instead to equip the saints. In other words, to equip you, to equip the members to do the work of ministry. That as we teach, pray for, care for, disciple, Members would grow in their love for Christ and knowledge of Christ, grow in knowing and using their gifts, grow in the godly character needed to use those gifts properly in love and in service to others. That's the design. This is how churches are meant to work, as he describes in verse 16, when each part When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Sadly, so often churches function more like a football game. You have 22 people on the field who desperately need rest and thousands in the stands who desperately need exercise. In too many churches, and you've heard me share this at Renewal, and I'm going to keep sharing it all the time because it continues to be a challenge in churches across this country. In too many churches, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. The 20% is shouldering too much, and they're always teetering on the edge of burnout many times. Or to use the analogy of a body, a a literal human body, when one part of the body is overcompensating For the rest of the body, that part that's overcompensating often gets injured. The ligament tears. It blows out. And it too can no longer function. My fear, and I think it is a well-grounded fear, is that COVID has made things worse. You know, for some time, all we could do, all we could do was have online church. And so on one hand, we're thankful that the technology existed for us to do something rather than nothing. But the darker side of this is that it may have reinforced a passive consumer mindset where church is viewed simply as an experience. It's an experience solely for my benefit. Rather than seeing the church for what it is, the body of Christ, people, not an experience, people we are in covenant with, people whose gifts I need and who need my gifts for us to truly become all we were meant to be. COVID has made us far too comfortable with isolation. Isolation leads to stagnation, making us vulnerable to cultural assimilation rather than agents of transformation. Church, in order for us to be fully healthy, you need us. Pastors, elders, deacons, you need the gifts God has entrusted to us, and we pray that we would be empowered to steward those gifts well, that with all diligence for your sake, we would give 100% of ourselves to the service of the church. But that being said, we need your gifts too.
as a pastor in our denomination, we are technically members of our presbytery, not the churches we pastor. My membership is actually with Philadelphia Presbytery. That's the wisdom, I believe, of our polity so that we too are under authority. We too are held accountable to a higher authority to keep us in check. I think there's great wisdom in that. But that does not mean, hear me clearly, that does not mean we do not need the gifts of the larger body. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul takes the time to personally thank and greet many individuals by name. 99% of the names on that list you have never heard of. They're not famous, quote unquote, but it's apparent many of them played a significant role in making Paul's ministry possible. He couldn't have done it without them. The church needs leaders, but leaders need the church. There are so many times where my weary, my heavy, burdened soul has come into worship and has been deeply ministered to by you guys, by those doing music ministry, literally bringing me to tears, <laughs> huffing and puffing, wondering how I'm supposed to go preach when I'm a sloppy mess. Through the years, some of you have shared insights. Some of you have shared wisdom with me that I have gleaned from. God used many of your hospitality gifts to refresh my soul. Your gifts of intercession, when you say, how can I be praying for you? And I have felt those prayers in tangible ways. Just the other day, I saw, according to Barner Research, I mean, this is staggering. 29% of pastors in this country, 29% have given serious consideration to quitting ministry this year. Just I'm done. And many already have, sadly. I know several people who've transitioned out. They just can't do it anymore. The convergence of pressures pastors have had to face all at once, and this is not an over-exaggeration to use the word unprecedented. It's unprecedented. The pressures of COVID, a lockdown, the pressures of racial injustice and all that comes with that, the pressure of politics and the differing views in the church and all that comes with that, all at once is utterly unprecedented. And every single pastor friend I have talked to, without a doubt, everybody's exhausted. Everybody is so incredibly tired. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. And we need that. We need to hear from you more than when just something's going wrong. <laughs> you know, in the movies, in the movies, they say silence is golden, right? When, when we used to go to the movies, it feels like ages ago. <laughs> but silence is golden. Well, in ministry, silence can be unnerving, deafening in an utterly discouraging way. But it's not just the pastors. Your elders shoulder the burden of church leadership too. They too bear the spiritual, mental, and emotional load. John and Isaac are approaching, approaching 20 years faithful ministry 
without a break. Your deacons and deaconesses in a season of great need have labored to meet the needs of this church, connecting people to counseling, walking with people in their suffering, in their sickness, in the loss of loved ones, organizing food distribution, all while facing their own challenges in this season. They need your support. They need your prayers. They need your encouragement too. I'll include our community group leaders here too, who may not be formal officers of the church per se, but they do so much. We call them our backbone ministry. And I know that they can identify with teachers in the city of Philadelphia regarding the challenge of keeping people engaged over Zoom. And they've strived to keep people connected, to be a support, while again facing their very own challenges in this season. Encourage them, support them, love upon them. The church needs leaders, and the leaders need the church. And beyond just the officers, fellow members, fellow members need your gifts. And you need the gifts of your fellow members. Christ poured himself out in service for us, for our salvation. He gave up his comfort, his life, that we might flourish. And so by his enablement, may we pour ourselves out in serving each other, being willing to give up our comfort so that others can flourish. Not settling for the 80-20 principle that characterizes so many churches, but rather an every member ministry so that as Paul describes, we would grow, truly grow, truly grow in knowing Christ and making him known. Let's pray together. And so Lord, as we proceed with these ordinations, we thank you for the specific gifts of these leaders that you have given to us today. Our brother Dan, our brother Han, our brother Joe. We thank you for them. We thank you for raising them up for such a time as this. You knew our need and you supplied the need. And so we give you thanks. I give you thanks for renewal, for your work in and through this church. Even in a season like COVID, so many wonderful things to celebrate. Signs of health at the same time in order to continue as a healthy church. Lord, we pray you would raise up more leaders. And we pray that you would stir up in people's hearts a mindset of every member ministry because every one of us has a gift. For those who are formal members of this church, they've in fact vowed to you and before the church to commit themselves to the work of ministry to the best of their ability, to the glory of Christ and for the sake of their brothers and sisters. Let us grow to be that kind of church. Not a football game, but in every member ministry, by your enablement, empowered by you, and as we look to you, the one who laid everything down, gave it all up that we might flourish. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this time, we will proceed with our ordination. And so before we call the brothers up, I need to, according to our book of church order, um, I need to explain briefly the nature of the offices as a reminder in terms of what these 
brothers are being called to. For the office of elder, it belongs to those in the office of elder to watch diligently over the flock, committed to their charge, that no corruption of doctrine or morals enter therein. They must exercise government and discipline and take oversight not only of the spiritual interests of the particular church, but also the church generally when called thereunto. They should visit people at their homes, especially the sick. They should instruct the ignorant, comfort the mourner, nourish and guard the children of the church. They should set a worthy example to the flock entrusted to their care by their zeal to evangelize and make disciples. All those duties which private Christians are bound to discharge by the law of love are especially incumbent upon them by divine vocation and are to be discharged as official duties. They should pray with and for the people, being careful and diligent in seeking the fruit of the preached word among the flock. Character required. He that fills this office should be blameless in life, sound in the faith, and apt to teach. He should exhibit a sobriety and holiness of life becoming the gospel. He should rule his own house well and should have a good report with those outside the church. I am pleased to announce Renewal Church has elected and approved our brother Dan Pyun to the office of elder and therefore affirm these qualities in him. Dan, would you mind just standing and let's welcome him as he comes forward. Why don't you come on forward? You just grab a seat there. The office of deacon is one of sympathy and service after the example of the Lord Jesus. It expresses the communion of saints, especially in their helping one another in time of need. It is the duty of the deacons to minister to those who are in need, to the sick, to the friendless, and to any who may be in distress. It is their duty also to develop the grace of liberality in the members of the church, to devise effective methods of collecting the gifts of the people, and to distribute those gifts appropriately. They shall have the care of the property of the congregation, both real and personal, and shall keep in proper repair the church edifice. Thank God, which Westville is close to, <laughs> close to done. Little less on your plates, Deeks. And other buildings belonging to the congregation. To the office of deacon, which is spiritual in nature, shall be called those of spiritual character, honest repute, exemplary lives, a brotherly spirit, warm sympathies, and sound judgment. I'm pleased to announce Renewal Church has elected Han Lu and Joe Lee to the office of deacon and therefore affirms these qualities in them. So if you brothers could rise and come forward, let's welcome them. It's been a genuine privilege of mine to see Dan coming here way back in, I think, 08, and just faithfully serving through the years, maturing and in so many ways, now a father to Amelia, his wife, Christine. Han, I met back before I was, when I was a seminarian. He was in my small group. Uh, that's where we first met, and what a joy it was to see him baptized in this church. Again, serve in this church in so many capacities. Um, and, and married to our administrator, Megan, father to uh, Viola and Tabitha. We're just so blessed uh, to see this day. And, and celebrate this with you. And our brother Joe Lee, who uh, is more recent, but was actually had a little stint in Philly before he had to go off again. Um, and at that time, he actually served with me on worship team back when I used to do that, believe it or not. 
feels like ages ago, and he was a, a gifted electric guitarist. Um, but also, I see this in this brother's heart, just a heart to, to serve in whatever way is needed. Uh, he's blessed uh, to be married to his wife, Diana, and father to Julia and Henry. So again, we thank God for raising these dear brothers up. So if you guys could come forward and proceed with the vows. So you can respond with I do after each of these. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as, the originally, as originally given to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will on your own initiative make known to your session the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? Do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you accept the office of ruling elder and do you accept the office of deacon in this church and promise to faithfully perform all the duties thereof, to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life, and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer? Do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? And then now uh, to members. If you're a formal member of this church, would you please rise? And there is a vow I need to ask you if you are a member of Renewal. Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive these brothers as ruling elders and deacons, a ruling elder and deacons, and do you promise to yield to them all the honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which their office, according to the word of God and the constitution of this church, entitles them? Thank you. You may be seated. At this time, um, we're going to ordain these brothers, so if you guys could kneel facing the congregation. And I'm going to invite forward our elders, our session, for the laying on of hands, um, as well as we have a few members of our diaconate here, um, and so they're going to come in support and in prayer, and some other ordained pastors who are here, Pastor Charles, who are not active at renewal uh, in that capacity anymore, but nonetheless has been a shaping influence in the lives of these brothers here, and our deacons and deaconesses and staff. And so I'll invite, again, our session, if you guys could lay hands. And then congregation, again, this is a pivotal moment, not just for them, but for you. So let me invite us all to bow um, in prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray for these dear brothers that the Lord would indeed empower them to be faithful to this calling and for, and, and for you as a church member to encourage them in all the ways that you can, willing to use your gifts in whatever way you can to serve them and the broader church. All right, and so let's pray. And after a bit, Pastor Dan is going to pray on our behalf.